Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. I greatly appreciate you for listening in. Let's go ahead and start getting the house rules out of the way. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. That's the best way to keep up with new podcasts as they come out. Also, if you can, please leave us a review. It's the best way for people to find us whenever they're looking for gun-related content on their podcast platform. Also, make sure to check out our social media so that we can keep up with what we're doing in between podcast episodes. We're everywhere at 2alifestyle.com. Um, that's the number 2A lifestyle, except for Instagram. Two is spelled out. Also, if you like this podcast, please go ahead and support us on Patreon. You can give us as little as $1, and it's greatly appreciated. You can check us out at Patreon at 2A Lifestyle Podcast. And with that, let's go ahead and start getting into the show. By now, you should have somehow realized what you gotta do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. All right, so welcome to this episode of the 2A Lifestyle. We got Mike with us. Uh, Mike is a former uh, co-host of the show. And then, uh, if you don't know, he had to stop because of extra shit that he had going on in his life, going on in college and working a new job that more is in line with what he wanted to do uh, in regards to his degree. So this episode, we're going to be talking about camping, bushcraft, outdoor activities, and I'm pretty excited because I did not know Mike has never been camping before. So a lot of this stuff uh, we're going to be talking about is some stuff that probably uh, Mike has no knowledge to whatsoever, but I definitely think it is an important skill set or at least a familiarity of the topic to know for not only just firearms but survivalism just because uh, a lot of people get into firearms because they think the worst could happen, uh, you know, to defend themselves or if something happens, uh, they want to make sure that they are prepared. So in my mind, camping is a, a huge part of that because – if something happens and you live in a large town or a city, you would want to get away from that as quickly as possible just because, uh, as we've seen during the COVID riots and the George Floyd riots and everything like that, uh, being in a large major city is not conducive for your health. So, uh, Mike, so tell me, what are some things that you know of camping just as a casual observer of it, I guess you could say? uh always have like three knives you know always have backups to backups um know how to make fire you need to learn how to make knots which i still don't know how to do um you need to know how to make shelters that aren't tents in case you lose your tent or you don't have one and uh how to make a fire without the smoke letting everyone know where you're at okay so uh just a little bit about my experience so uh, from the age of 11 all the way up to 18 years old, um, well, not necessarily 18 because I started working about when I was 17, so about 17 years old, uh, I basically went camping for a weekend at least once a month from ages 11 to 17. Nice. And, uh, you know, I still do some camping um, I don't get to do as much as I'd like to, 
if you listen to the podcast, like I was really looking forward to going on a like hunting slash camping trip this week uh, this year, uh, but because one I got COVID and two I had some uh, stuff going on with work that required me to like give my undivided attention and trying to achieve professionally what I was trying to do. I didn't get a chance to do that, so uh, I haven't done that. But I've gone on a lot of hiking uh, so far this year. And, uh, it's something that I'm doing with my wife. It's something I'm doing with my kids, you know, and, or, so I'm doing that. And here's some, uh, definitely some things that you could probably need to learn and have before you go out and at least camp overnight. And uh, something to always tell people when they're camping is, you know, I hear people say like, oh yeah, I camp. And they're talking about, they'll go in an RV or, that's you know, they'll camping. bring along uh, air conditioner, like portable air conditioner, some shit like that. I'm like, that's not fucking camping. Like, I will cook all my meals over the campfire. I will, uh, you know, sometimes not even have a tent. I'll just make myself like a little hooch. Uh, like in my current camping setup now that I have, uh, either I'll use like a hammock and I'll cover myself with a poncho or I'll just sleep on the ground on top of a, of a mattress and I will like set up a hooch uh, with my poncho, and that's what covers me from the outside. So one thing, Mike, that you talked about is starting a fire. So now there are some pretty cool like portable fire starters that they make nowadays. Um, yeah, they're called lighters. Know, obviously, like a ferro rod. Go ahead. Yeah, they're called lighters. <laughs> the lighters aren't always going to work. That's the thing, man. Uh, unless you got like a, a windproof, waterproof lighter. Uh, which, you know, just adds, you know, weight to you. And then not only that, eventually they do go bad. Uh, so, you know, a ferro rod, that's something that I always keep on me and my camping getup. I always carry me, a, like, even at work, I always carry a Leatherman. And on my Leatherman, I have a ferro rod on there. So it's, like, always something that I have on me. Right. So another thing that you need to do and learn is feathering a stick. Now, uh, have you seen – let me ask you this, Mike. Have you seen, like, any of those uh, – uh, alone or man versus wild or any of those kind of shoot shows. Yeah. It's where you, me and my older sister actually tried when we were kids where you got like a, like a piece of wood and you start like rubbing the stick back and forth really, really fast on it. No, that's not, that's not feathering a stick. So a feathering okay. a stick basically is like doing fine shavings towards the end of a stick with your pocket knife. And you create these like really thin, fine, uh, you know, little shavings that stay. Oh, yeah, attached kindling, to the stick. kindling, right? Yeah, basically making kindling, but you're making a, a larger stack of kindling out of one stick. Uh, mm. That's definitely something uh, somebody needs to learn if they're going to go camping and they want to try and uh, start a fire without a lighter or start a fire without a ferro rod. Well, even using a ferro rod, uh, you know, um, you know, you'd need to at least have that, in my opinion. But then there's also like a, a bow fire starter that you can uh, try and use. Now that's kind of like more of akin to what Mike was talking about, like rubbing a stick back and forth together. Um, so what's, what's some else that you said, uh, Mike's starting a fire. So now here's something else in regards to starting a fire. Um, what about water? So uh, oh, I've yeah, gone, yeah, water. I've gone camping and hiking to where I only have the water that I brought with me. And if I run out, which like this would be like a three to four day camping trip that I've been on and hiking. Um, and if I ran out of water, I had to get water from nature. So now starting a fire is a great way to 
purify your water uh obviously if you've seen any of the shows like they always boil the water uh but there's different kinds of water filters that you can take with you uh obviously like you've seen those life straws uh life straws are you know great in my opinion they're like portable they're small they're compact um if you have water that you're like not too sure of uh that's one thing that you can do in regards to uh you know sucking you know your water through a life straw to make sure that at least that you get the major stuff out of there uh might still smell or taste bad uh but that's one thing you can do uh, yeah if i remember correctly they actually make like life straw and sawyer bottles that you can fill up and yes. suck through a straw to yeah yeah and sawyer was a, another great one uh that i was going to mention uh sawyer makes a mini filtration system uh that looks like a life straw that you can fill their little sawyer uh you know bag up with water and you can suck it through that that's what i have in my uh hiking backpack uh sawyer also makes a gravity water filtration system it's kind of the same thing to where you fill up the water bag and then you hang your you know your nalgene bottle or whatever you have underneath it and just let it slowly drip uh down there Uh, now something else is the potable aqua tablets uh, now, those tablets are pretty neat because what those tablets can do is they kill all the germs inside there, but also it can clear up the water. So that way, if you have uh, water that is, you know, discolored or whatever, um, you can, uh, you know, clear it up. But it still could taste bad. Uh, and you're all you're really going to have like more of a chemical taste. Right. Have you uh, tried any of that? Honestly, I've been wanting to, but every time I go to go get a life straw, I'm like, oh, hey, look, a bag of jerky. Yeah, especially <laughs> bacon jerky. Yeah, not, I've been really liking, um, the, there's this brand, Cattleman's, and their original jerky is so fucking good. Hell yeah. And now there's also uh, more expensive options. So like all those water filter filtration systems that I've talked to you about, those are like $40 or less. Uh, but you can really go like high-end model for this kind of stuff. Uh, there's a Katadin pocket water filtration. Uh, there's MSR Guardian purifiers. Um, those are actually ones that you stick like a, a like a hose into wherever you get your water from, and then you stick another end and you just like pump it, and that uh, filters your water. Now those are like you know high in the sky like four hundred dollar filtration systems and Jeez. i understand like everybody cannot under, you know um not everybody can afford those uh but that's definitely an option as well yeah so uh something else uh that mike was talking about is pocket knives and i definitely think that you should have uh one good pocket knife on you uh and something that is like hit the market within the last to say like 10 years that i think is amazing in regards to pocket knives is uh the mork mork nif you know what i'm talking about mike the, more, that, knife, uh, more knife more knife yes yep. more knife so uh those pocket knives are awesome and they come in different type of models and stuff and you can get those relatively cheap you can get those for like 20 or 30 bucks and you can i mean they're sharp as a razor they hold their edge well they're very sturdy and then they also have different models that like are specific for like outdoors camping come with a ferro rod all that kind of stuff uh and but now you can also get like i said like either a leatherman or gerber those will have Mm -hmm. a pocket knife on there as well uh what kind of pocket knives do you normally carry on you mike 
Um, so I've got two. You like I've got a Ontario uh, knife company Rat Two. I have a Rat One too, but I retired it because I like it too much. Um, but I mean, like I beat the shit out of that. So the Rat Two, that's my if I can't find my pair of three knife that I carry. Yep. And then I also have a Zero Tolerant 0770, which honestly isn't as good as it looked online. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think I have one. I have a semi-multi-tool that I keep in my car, which is just a straight blade, and then it also has like a little mini saw on it. That's cool. Uh, I know something, like I said, I carry my Leatherman on me all the time, uh, and that's got a pocket knife on there as well. Uh, but I used to always carry uh, my Gerber M16, I think it was the brand of it. It's got okay. like a seatbelt cutter and a glass cutter on it. Oh, nice. uh, but that was just kind of like for EDC. Uh, but now for like outdoors, I definitely would uh, either get like a Gerber or Leatherman and uh, definitely like, you know, like one of those more knives are, are really good. Um, I'm really wanting to get myself uh, a Topps knife. Uh, they have a uh, special book, book Bushcraft uh, Tom Brown knife uh, that I want to get, but it's like $300. And I just really don't want to spend that much money on a knife, but I'm probably eventually going to get it for myself. Yeah, uh, I mean, every and, now and again, you're going to give in to temptation. Oh, I know, man. I have had that tab open on my work computer, and I see it every day when I go to work for the last, like, six or eight months. <laughs> so, I know that feeling. Oh, hell yeah, dude. I, I, I seriously have, like, just one window Internet Explorer of, like, stuff that I want. Like, uh, the Tom Brown knife's on there. Hornady Sonic cleaners on there. Uh, those are like the big things on there. Yeah, I got one open. Um, oh, fuck, what is it? It's a... Uh, it's this mounting system for cameras. It's like $300 I keep looking at, but it's like I really don't want to spend 300 on this right now. Yep, yep. And we talked a little bit about water as well. Uh, something that you can also do in a, a bushcraft skill I think you need to. everybody needs to learn is a, a solar still. And what a solar still is, is uh, something I think that should be part of your kit is maybe like an e-tool or uh, cold steel makes this uh, little uh, portable shovel. Uh, I think they call it like a Spetsnat something. Uh, but that's like, I think everybody should have that in their kind of camping uh, stuff. But you can uh, dig a hole and you can either get like fresh green greenery on there. Uh, or you can take dirty water uh, from wherever you got it and pour it into the hole, or you put that greenery in the hole, and then you can get either a plastic bag or a trash bag, and you take some of that dirt to seal around it, uh, put your Nalgene bottle or whatever kind of cup you have in the middle, and then you place a little rock over that plastic bag to make a dripping point. And especially like the hot summer of Alabama, uh, it's going to clean that water and evaporate it and that bag catches it and it goes into that uh, cup of yours. So that's another nice bushcraft still uh, that you've done. Um, Mike, is there any sort of like bushcraft skills that you have seen that you have tried out yourself? Um, other than different ways, like there's been a couple of things I've done to try and make fires. Um, me and my uncle actually made a lean to at one point, which was kind of cool. I couldn't figure out how to, properly weave the uh the evergreen 
on the back okay. to make a make a, a wind stop. Okay. But the other one, I think the biggest one that I've been trying to dabble in a little bit more is learning how to tie knots. Because the only knot that I know how to tie is my shoes. <laughs> so. It's definitely something that you got to practice. Like, I remember I used to be able to tie, like, just a whole bunch of different kinds of knots. And it's definitely a perishable skill that if you don't use it, you will lose it. Uh, because there's only like three knots that I remember how to tie and all the rest of the I recommend to people, uh, if they're wanting to learn this kind of skill is if you, especially if you have children, I highly recommend that you, cause, and this is where I learned a lot of my stuff, uh, was the boy scouts and you can make fun of me all you want, Mike, I already can feel the judgment coming from you. Um, but I learned a lot of this stuff from the Boy Scouts. And especially if you got a child, you can sign them up for Boy Scouts, uh, especially like once they get into the age of Boy Scouts, not Cub Scouts, because you will be able to partake in these things as well. And when you partake in these things, you learn as well. And that's, you know, a great thing. Um, and that's what I recommend. I, I highly recommend if you have kids and especially if there's like an active uh, Boy Scout troop next to you, uh, try that because if, you know, it's something that they like, you know, get your kids introduced to the outdoors. It's another way I know some kids got, uh, some people I know got introduced into shooting, uh, because, you know, Boy Scout camps, summer camps got shooting ranges, uh, that they can shoot 22s at and shotguns and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's a, a great resource that's out there for you and your kids to get into this uh, type of things. Uh, some, it's also a great way for you guys to connect. Uh, I think that's absolutely no, yeah, no fucking electronics around, uh, just you and them doing that, doing that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, but something else is, uh, you know, firearms. So you're going to take some firearms into the woods with you. Uh, I highly recommend uh, that's something I've been looking at for myself. I've been really wanting to get into maybe like a Ruger 1022 takedown. So that way uh, I could attach, you know, and there's like a Molly case that's available for it that you can attach to like a backpack Ooh, cool. uh, for like the little uh, hunting that's available right now. Like you could rabbit hunt, you can squirrel hunt. Uh, what kind of wild game have you ever eaten, Mike? Um, I've eaten deer. I've eaten turtle, bear. Uh, obviously fish. Um, the only thing I don't think I've ever eaten is squirrel, rabbit, or not rabbit, uh, raccoon, possum, or skunk. I've not eaten uh, skunk or um, bear, but I've always wanted to try bear. Bear is interesting. Um, so from my understanding, bear will taste like what it eats. Exactly. So and that's like if it if it's eaten fish its entire life, it's gonna taste fishy. If it's eaten berries, it's gonna taste better. Uh, and that's that's kind of my what I've heard as well, and I've wanted to try it. Uh, but like you know, squirrels, rabbits, um, you know, raccoons. Oh, frogs! Frogs, great. Frogs, yeah, frogs as well. Um, turtles. Uh, that stuff that you can kill uh, out in you know, depending on your state laws. Um, and when you're hunt, you know, out camping and you can cook at your camping site. So, uh, that's something in like, they make this like really cool. And I, and I have one 
It's like a little uh, salt and pepper shaker that's connected. It's about the size of a Zippo. And, you know, you can season your uh, wild game with it, which is really kind of all you need is just salt and pepper anyway. Um, But that is uh, a great option. And that's why I said like a like something like a Ruger 1022 takedown would be perfect for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that I really, 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 really want. And it's like a unicorn of mine. Um, but they're very hard to come by, and when they do come up, they're a little bit on the expensive side sometimes. Um, are you familiar with like an old Savage model that they came out with that was thirty thirty? Uh, it was like an over under barrel, and one barrel was thirty thirty, and one barrel was twelve gauge. I don't. I, I've seen stuff like that, um, but I don't. I've not seen that one. I do remember seeing one. It was a, I think it was an African gun where it was a. Literally a 12 gauge and an AR-15 combined. Yes. Now Savage. Now they have made a 223 and a uh, 12 gauge model. But I I really want the uh, 3030 and the 12 gauge because I I would think like with a 12 gauge you could like shoot birdshot. You could shoot like you know uh, any sort of uh, birds or squirrels or or, uh, like rabbits. And then with like a thirty thirty, you could like knock down like wild hogs, deer, that kind of stuff. No, I wouldn't say like from a space saving standpoint. Um, I think something like the Ruger LCR in twenty two makes a whole lot of sense if you can yep. figure out a way to get an optic mounted to it. It'll let yep. you shoot really accurately, probably out to about seventy five yards. Um, yeah, and then um, the Keltec uh, PMR thirty. Was another oh, yeah. great option of mine, because mm-hmm. like you at least get like a, a magnum involved there. So like maybe you could take down uh, some larger stuff, uh, like uh, like a, a raccoon, like a raccoon. You'd have unless you hit it right, it would you know, it would be a while before it dies from just like a regular twenty two LR. Man, I had a raccoon in a tree one time. I hit it with two one ounce twelve gauge slugs, and it stayed. It was still alive and coming up out of the hole in the tree. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. So, like, you know, uh, when you're talking about that kind of stuff, ethical shots, uh, right caliber, yep. that kind of stuff. Yep. yep. I, I think it would be cool, like, for a survival rifle. Would be yep. to see a five seven that can be swapped over to twenty two real fast. Ooh, see now I could I would love to see maybe a five seven over a twelve gauge. That would be cool. You know, because that five seven's like powerful enough that it could it could kill larger game and you could, you know, and, and for swap like I don't think you could probably kill it like a deer with it or a hog with it, but you could have like some slugs and that would you know, take care of that. An alternative that would be cool is a if someone would develop a bolt carrier grip for an AR that could easily go between twenty two and five five six. That would be kind of neat. I just wonder what. I mean, I, I guess you kind of have that already with like the CMMG conversion kits. Like you just have to keep a mag in the bolt carrier group for the twenty two. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you can put that like if you have the right stock. I guess you could put the conversion kit all into the uh, into the stock and just have the magazine in your plate carrier. Uh, absolutely, that's, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, and that would be more like a kind of you know society's collapse because 
there's definitely like round count restrictions on hunting in mm -hmm. like all states. So it's not yeah, like you true. can hunt with uh, AR-15 and a 30-round mag. You'd have to have like at least in Alabama uh, a 10-round mag limit for hunting. Right. Well, and in every case, people might not be – they might be shitty hunters. What about fishing? So uh, something with fishing that you could do is uh, carry like a small uh, – like Altoids tin of different lures and hooks and weights uh, and just carry just a spool of fishing line. And mm -hmm. fishing line is great because if you get fishing line, you can get – a little bit higher in the pound rating so where you know like a like a 12 pound line or 15 pound line uh wouldn't be great to use it for tying things but if you got like say like a 30 or a 50 pound line um it's a little bit thicker and not as practical for fishing but it still can be used um but you could also use it for tying things off uh, around your camping site, which that's what I do. I have a little Altoids tin of uh, fishing uh, like hooks and lures and weights, and but I keep a like 250 to 300 yard spool of uh, I think mine is 30 pound fishing line, so uh, I can just go fishing with just that. I don't have to carry a whole fishing rod with me. You can just wind it up in your hand, and it saves yeah. you space, saves you weight. And I will say, like one of the, like, if you want to give yourself a little bit, and I'm, you know, obviously I don't have the experience, but <clears throat> keep a little bit more fishing line than you'd think you'd need, so that way you can set up a uh, alarm system, if you will, around your campsite. Absolutely, yep. Because like, there's Absolutely. this one story. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Mr. Ballin. Um, I have not. Okay, so he t he tells uh, spooky stories and shit, like weird ones that have actually happened usually. Um, and there's this one incident that he was talking about where guy goes camping and I forget all the details, but basically he hears something, uses his flashlight, creeps him out. So he just falls asleep with his flashlight on his chest. He wakes up, the flashlight's like a hundred yards away and it's pointed right at him, right? Long story short, something keeps getting closer as his fire dies down. So he has to keep getting the fire built up. And in the morning when he's able to leave, he gets to a, the nearest gas station and on the back of his fucking windshield was written "sleep well?" question mark with a smiley face. So yeah, that is a creepy fucking thing. Yeah. Now, like, if you've never gone camping, like I have, and stuff like that, kind of creeps you out. Having something to use as like an alarm system would probably ease your mind a little bit. And then that's something else. Is like I know they sell those little uh, poppers that looks like just a firecracker with a, a string on both ends of it. Mm -hmm. And if you pull them, it makes a, a pop sound. Yeah. That's something you can easily use. Definitely. And you so. could probably wire, uh, hook it up to where if anything crosses the the border of your campsite, you could probably wire or, yeah, have it wired up and tied up right by where you're sleeping. So if something crosses over, it pops right by your ear. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, that's in regards to when I was talking about like the Keltec, uh, Keltec PMR 30, you know, that's like a dual purpose. You can use that for hunting or you can use that for self-defense. Yeah. Which is nice. Absolutely. But now say you suck at hunting and you suck at fishing. Uh, what kind of food would you think you would use? Like MREs is obviously, 
you know, what most people might think of. And MREs are uh, an option at like Army Navy surplus stores, or uh, you know, you can order MREs off, you know, offline. Uh, but there's, you know, obviously more stuff that you could do. Um, yeah, like get a uh, a book of the local vegetation, so that way you can see what's poisonous and not, or learn how to make a snare trap. Absolutely, and I wasn't even thinking about uh, vegetation because <clears throat> that's definitely. Uh, like a higher rated skill in my opinion just because there's so much in regards to vegetation where uh, you know it might be a safe vegetation to eat but you still might have bacteria on it if you don't Mm -hmm. uh, wash it properly or boil it Uh, but like the mountain house adventure meals or uh, ready wise uh, legacy premium uh, those are things that you could purchase at like academy or walmart or bass pro or cabela's or wherever you know kind of outdoor stores you have uh and you can eat those and so like i went camping with my family um in the latter part of last year uh before it got really cold here and that's what we had is we had the mountain house adventure meals and uh those mountain house adventure meals are really nice uh you just heat up uh some water you pour it in there uh it's basically dehydrated meals and you can eat those and like one of those bags, like fed like two people. In my well, there's also those uh, those emergency ration bars that Walmart has for like I think it's like six bucks, and each chunk's supposed to be like two thousand calories or something like that. Absolutely, and those those are great as well. Those are like those, in my opinion, would be like if you really want to challenge yourself, carry those with you, and you know make yourself do hunting or do fishing, and you are going to eat what you catch or kill or you're going to have those ration bars because those ration bars taste like cardboard yep they, they come in flavors but those flavors are just like you just sprinkled some shit on some cardboard and that's what you <laughs> ate but like those mountain house meals you know those are relatively inexpensive and light and you can get them for like you know between like depending on what meal you get you can get them for like 10 or 15 bucks. And now something I always do when I look for those dehydrated meals, I always look for what gives me the most protein. Yep. Because that's what's going to keep you full. Yep. Protein and carbs. That way you can run more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, something else uh, that we're talking about uh, should be footwear. So like when we've done like hiking uh, I got some Timberland Pros leather um, shoes, and I always like to have like real leather uh, on my camping shoes because uh, I mean it, it can suck because of like heat here, uh, but it is waterproof and it protects you more. I don't have steel toes. I actually got composite toes for my Timberland Pros, so that way if I do like a uh, stub my toe or if something falls on my foot like i get that little bit of protection but i don't have that heavy weight of steel toe steel toe uh, so can actually def- work against you absolutely absolutely and that's something else that's another reason why i went with composite versus steel toe yeah uh, and that's definitely i think something like everybody should think of whenever they decide to go camping as well just don't go out there in tennis shoes i wouldn't even advise against like some tactical shoes like some merrill's or uh, like some baits or stuff like that, because I can know I a lot the, of bait uh, shoes. 
Go ahead. I think I think the Altima, I think I'm saying it right, Altama, Altima shoes with the Maritime Assault would be a great option to have as a backup. So that way your feet can stay dry since they uh, they have the drainage on them. And those Altimas, I think, are great because they're really light. They're mm-hmm. smushable. Now, I will say with those Altimas, they don't have a whole lot of cushion. Yep. So if you're walking in like a real uh, like rocky area or something like that, it's not going to provide you a whole lot of cushion. They're more like a minimalist kind of shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a great uh, great thought, Mike. Like those are you know I always say you should have like two is one and one is none, but you obviously don't want to um, you know weigh yourself down because ounces equals pounds and pounds equals pain. Yep. So you want to try and keep it as light as possible. And those Ultima shoes, I got a pair of them myself. Um, I got a couple pairs, actually. And those Ultimas are great because they're really light and they're, like, smushable. So you can squish them down into a pack. Oh, keep a lot of socks, too. Socks, Even I know man. that. And wool socks. I know mm-hmm. um, merino wool socks are worth their weight in gold. Like, I use those for work for the most time. Like, I used to wear, like, a lot of Nike dry fit socks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I'm starting to phase those out, and I'm getting Marina World socks even for just, like, work. Interesting. So, the, yeah, Marina World socks are the tits. And, um, like, uh, Duluth is a great source for those socks. Uh, Pair of Thieves uh, sells uh, Marina World socks. Those are great. And then uh, Fox River. Fox River is another great pair of these and Fox River are like my top two Merino wool socks. i also keep a, I think it's, what is it? Chapstick's really good for like waterproofing stuff. Yep. Beeswax. Yeah. Or in, not even, you could have beeswax. Um, or another thing would be Vaseline. Vaseline is another great thing because Vaseline can also be used for first aid. Yeah. Yeah. Really good for sealing up cuts. Yep. Uh, the next thing is clothing. So when you're talking about, uh, we're talking about shoes, talk, talk about socks, talk about clothing. Uh, a great thing that we mentioned earlier, uh, I think it was in the last podcast when you were talking about, uh, how an Academy just opened up near you is like the dry fit stuff. So I like to wear like Duluth canvas pants during the winter and I like to wear uh, like fishing pants during the summer. I always like to wear pants just because I'm fair skinned, uh, even though I'm not full ginger. Uh, I like to announce that first. Uh, I do get sunburned really easily. You've got to so, announce that first. No, I know. <laughs> um, so, uh, like, you know, wear pants. Don't wear shorts if you can go without it because. Uh, you know, especially when you're camping and hiking, you're going to be running across like stickers and thorn vines and ticks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, you can blast your boots if you know, you're going to be like, especially here, man, like there's just gobs and gobs and gobs of ticks here. And I will sometimes like blouse my pants into my boots when I'm going into the woods and like looking for stolen stuff from searching somebody just that way I can kind of try and keep the ticks to a minimum. Yeah. Yeah, and those ticks will get into the most odd places, like in your tank. Oh, I knew when I was in Boy Scouts, I knew one that a uh, kid got a tick on his dick. Yeah, that hurt. Yeah, that sucked pulling it out. Like he had to do that shit himself. Yeah, no, I'm good on that noise. 
And like, uh, so when you're talking about ticks, um, you know, there are some clothes that can offer uh, natural insect repellent, like ingrained in them. Like I know, like army uniforms, like when I was in the army and we had the old uh, ACU uniforms, like the ACU uniforms we got had some sort of insect repellent already in them. And they were good up to like so many washes before like the insect repellent ran out. And that's good. But now like I have seen some uh research now that's saying that that stuff kind of like leads to cancer which what does it nowadays everything has a label from california saying it causes cancer yeah so uh definitely you know cost versus reward ratio on that like if you want to carry um uh insect repellent that is obviously uh something that be you know you can think about yourself there are some plants that if you burn in your fire uh, you know, create smoke and it's a natural insect repellent. Uh, but that's something that you can get, uh, you know, see what plants are native to you that you can use for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And always keep like, a small little guide on hand. So you can make sure you know what plant you're grabbing, especially if you're colorblind, like I am. And especially a book, man, like hard yeah. paper. Cause when yep. you go out and if you have an app, a lot of those apps require some sort of data mm-hmm. to use. And you'll be shit out of luck if you're out there and you try to use your phone. Yep. So now, Mike, I know you said you didn't do any camping. Do you do any hiking? Uh, yeah, I try. I'm actually trying to do eight hikes this year. Mm. Any particular like places or uh, skill set levels or or anything like that, or just eight hikes in general? Um. But- I'm doing it for photography to get some like landscapes and stuff like that. Um, so I, I was raised in Pennsylvania. So like all the hiking areas around here in Indiana are pretty like even the rugged marked ones are a cakewalk. Um, like one of the biggest things there is I need to figure out a way to carry a firearm while also having my camera. And I want to carry concealed so I don't have to deal with people looking at me and trying to contact the DNR, even though it's legal. Yep. And that's something I'm glad you mentioned in regards to carrying, because something uh, that I think, especially in regards to uh, hiking, is holsters. Um, So now one thing I would say for people to strive away from in regards to hiking is a belt holster. Uh, just because that is going to create discomfort in your hips. Uh, that's going to, uh, depending on the pack that you're wearing, if you have a pack that requires like some sort of uh, hip belt uh, or has some hip belt, which I'd recommend that you use if your pack mm-hmm. does have that, um, that would be an issue. Yeah, so, from, from last year when I was hiking around, I was carrying my 19 appendix and uh, – like, look, for, for regular use, appendix is the most comfortable way I've ever carried. But doing all the hiking I did last year, there was multiple times where I'd get to my car. Or, well, no, I'd get home, and I'd go to go shower. I'd have a huge bruise right on my pelvic region because yep. of where my holster was. Even though I had a wedge on it, I still had that bruise. And it didn't go away for, like, days. Yep. So something I definitely recommend for people, if you're going to carry uh, like a 19 or a 17 or or like whatever kind of compact or full size handgun you're going to carry uh, that's not 
hunting related, but more self defense related. Uh, I would definitely recommend. And I know it's like poo pooed on in the gun community is a shoulder holster. Uh, there are plenty of shoulder holsters available out there that are cheap that you can use. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of options out there. And then the most common in regards to hunting is a chest holster or a chest rig. Uh, it uses like a very similar platform to a shoulder holster, but instead of it being tucked under your arm, which could be an issue if you're carrying a pack, um, is right there on your chest and it's really available to you there and chest holsters really uh came to the forte because of hiking and hunting yep and again there's many different options that you can choose from as well and you know the sky's the limit like there's like over hundred dollar chest holsters out there for you uh but there's also you know ones that are like around like 50 bucks that you can get that are probably like nylon and stuff, which will suffice for your needs. Definitely. Now, something else uh, that, especially in the wintertime, uh, that you would need is a sleeping bag. Uh, and something that I recommend for people is to check the temperature rating on your sleeping bag. Because there are temperature ratings for your sleeping bags that show like, you know, this is to like 40 degrees like if it's 40 degrees and higher like this will keep you warm and comfortable uh but if it drops below 40 degrees you're going to be cold uh there's sleeping bags that go all the way down to zero just depending on where you live like for example in alabama i wouldn't need anything really less than a 20 degree sleeping bag um and now also something that's pretty cool and that's available out there for people is milsurp sleeping bags so like the milsurp sleeping bag system is two sleeping bags into one and they have a hot weather sleeping bag and a cold weather sleeping bag and they actually connect to each other and you can like be doubled up on on your 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 sleeping bag and they come with like really cool little carrying systems and packing systems um and you can usually get those for less than a hundred dollars at milsurp stores uh and you know it's but if you're like for example in the summer here it's not going to get below 70 or 80 degrees at night uh i just recommend uh like a whoopie uh which is like a poncho liner uh that you can buy from a milsurp store for like 30 bucks or less right and those whoobies are supposed to be really comfortable i haven't gotten to try one yet though oh i still i still have mine from the army i love it i keep it right next to my bed uh, before, you know, me and my wife moved together, I didn't even sleep under my covers. I would like the old military self in me, I'd sleep on top of my maid bed and I would just sleep under my whoopee. So that way when I woke up, I could just like throw my whoopee in my drawer in my nightstand and mm -hmm. my bed would still be made. Oh yeah. That's a smart way to do it. Yeah. And so like, and then something else though is weight. So I mentioned this before ounces equals pounds, pounds equals pain. Um, sleeping bags is something where you can really add weight to your gear. And that's something that I'd recommend people check out, uh, because there's really nice canvas sleeping bags that will keep you warm, keep you comfortable. They can even protect you a little bit better against the elements than, uh, like the, um, synthetic materials uh but those things weigh like 15 to 20 pounds so like if you are going to have like a 
uh, base camp that you normally stay at, and you're not going to have to like hike in and out to go camping. Uh, one of those canvas sleeping bags will probably be like a good option for you. Interesting. I'm going to have to look into those. Yeah. And the last thing I think we're going to talk about, I'm, I know, Mike, you got to eat dinner because you don't want to make your significant other upset. Uh, is, oh, I'm just starving. Are you? <laughs> yeah. I've been doing, I've been doing a, uh, well, trying to, um, 24 hour fast. So like I only eat between certain times. So oh, I yeah, guess it's more going? intermittent. Pretty good. Actually. I think I'm, I think I'm down 10 pounds. That's awesome, dude. And something else that we're going to mention is backpacks. So backpacks are something that, uh, you know, you get what you pay for. Yep. Uh, there is some decent bags that you can get that are relatively inexpensive. Uh, and it's just all about features. So uh, like my bag that I got, it looks like the uh, and actually I still have my old army rucksack. And so, like, there's two different styles of bags that you can get. There is an external frame and an internal frame. Uh, the external frame is the frame of the backpacks on the outside, and the internal frame, obviously, the frame for the backpack is inside the padding. And I've had both. Uh, the old Army rucksack that I have, it's an external frame. Uh, I got what I currently use is more of, like, the Marine style, which is uh, an internal frame and then something else difference between an external and an internal frame is external frames like the bags are usually shorter and wider and the internal frames are more narrow and taller uh which is kind of like a pain in the ass in my opinion uh because like i'm six foot five so if a if a backpack is taller than me then like sometimes like I really have to like bend down to like get over like get under branches and limbs and stuff because if I don't like that I'm gonna be dragging that shit along and whacking whacking <laughs> people that are behind me. Um, it's a good way to get spiders and snakes to fall on you too. Well, I don't mind snakes, but the spiders fuck off, man. Uh, and this is actually funny. So like uh, me and my family went hiking uh, this past weekend. And there was a water moccasin just laying across the, the trail. And, like, one of my kids uh, had already walked past it, not didn't even fucking notice it. And then my youngest – well, my oldest kid walked past it, and my youngest kid, uh, like, walked right up to it and, like, came within, like, two feet of it. And then all of a sudden she freaked the fuck out, and she's like, snake! And then she, like, backed the fuck up, and we're like, where? And then she pointed, and sure shit, man, like, there's a water moccasin just, like, sunbathing right there on the trail and i didn't have my fucking gun on me of course because i knew we were gonna be hiking and i you know this is like a a really public place and so i couldn't like carry shoulder holster or chest holster or whatever yeah. uh so like i just like picked up a stick and i just started breaking it apart and throwing it at the water box and to get it the fuck away and eventually the snake went away but um anyway so talking about packs uh you know and one thing that I really like versus, you know, with, and I hate to say like tactical or military-ish looking packs is Molly versus civilian packs, which is, you know, they don't have hardly any Molly system on there. And I prefer to have as much Molly as possible because I can add uh, different things on the outside. Uh, like I got my e-tool on the outside. I got uh, a bunch of like uh, carabiners on the outside that I can attach like my uh my headlamp onto uh attach my ferro rod on there uh and different stuff like that 
and make it a little bit more accessible versus having to get into like pull all my shit out to to get into my bag. And that's something else when you're getting into your your hiking bags, you got to make sure that you, you know, pack it with a purpose. So, you know, when you go hiking, something that you're probably going to need right away is like a poncho or your rain gear. You know, you always try and keep that on top as possible. So that way, if it starts raining, you can easily get to it and not have to, like, pull all your food or your sleeping your sleeping bag out or some shit like that. Uh, so you always want to try and, and, you know, pack with a purpose and pack with a plan. And that's one reason why I like Molly versus, like, the normal uh, civilian-type packs is because – uh, you know, the tactical military type packs has a lot of molly and civilian ones don't. But, you know, I always try and keep my packs under 20 to 25 pounds. Um, that's kind of heavy for a lot of people. Uh, but, you know, being six foot five, uh, I can carry a lot more. And then like, you know, my rucksacks in the military uh, with like ammunition, water, everything, uh, and then carrying my weapon. Like, I was carrying, like, an extra 100 to 120 pounds in my packs, uh, and that just wreaks hell on you. Mm -hmm. So, uh, definitely, I think every person that is in firearms, into firearms, should hopefully be into the outdoors as well. Uh, because I think those kind of go hand in hand. Because if you're going to the range, you know, most people are going to go to an outdoor range. Uh, you know, a lot of people will go to an indoor range. Uh, but most people go shooting outdoors. And then uh, I definitely think conservation is, should be an important part to the shooting industry as well. Because like I said, most people get into shooting with through hunting. And hunting uh, is a great resource for you know farms enthusiasts because you get to enjoy the outdoors. You get to get unplugged from life while you still get to go maybe shoot some guns while you're going hunting. Um, and Mike, if you, do you do hunting, any hunting as well? Nope, I have not been. Gosh, man, you need to bring <laughs> your sorry ass down to Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I'm wanting to uh, do a deer hunt here in the near future. I just don't know when yet. Yeah, I know the deer up there are a lot bigger than the ones down here, man. Like, if you saw the deer down here, you'd think it's a small one for Indiana. Oh, probably. Probably. I mean, I hit one doing 65 on the highway. Oh, shit. Yeah, it only dented my hood, though. God dang. So, Mike, like, We've kind of talked about hunting, talked about some very basic stuff. Uh, as somebody that's never been camping, uh, never been hunting, uh, what kind of stuff have like is, comes across your mind that you think maybe somebody that doesn't do a whole lot of either or never has done either uh, would want to know? I mean, honestly, I think we've covered all the bases pretty well. You know, we've talked about knowing the vegetation. Um, we've talked about water filtration, which is really, really important. Um, we've talked about small game hunting, which uh, just knowing which direction the wind's blowing is important. Um, yeah. but I mean, I think we've hit all the, all the bases, including making sure that you have backups for like your knives, um, carrying some dry socks, maybe some alternative for shoes just in case. Um, then also the different types of backpacks, which is really great to hit on. Cause I didn't know anything or I didn't know about the different types of frames and the fact that there's one where the frame's on the outside and one where there's the frame on the inside. Um, yeah. And, and you're I talking think, about like carrying extra socks. Like I always carry extra underwear and carry extra socks because, you know, you'll look like a fucking crazy person sitting in your camp uh, in just your underwear and your socks, but you can, all that rest of that shit can dry. 
Yep. Yeah, I think though, I think that's everything that I'd really want to uh, know getting to get started at least. Like there's the foundation right there. I mean, there's the, you know, there's always little caveats and other other subcategories to go into, like, um, you know, knowing what you can hunt at at a certain time, or like if if that's an issue, or um, what bait to use for different fish. Yep. But and then yeah. one thing that we didn't cover that I'm not going to get too into because I feel like this could be a whole episode in itself and it's something that i have kind of let myself uh it's kind of like you use it or lose it thing like i was talking about especially with knots is navigation um so for most uh like hobbying uh camping you know you can get yourself a map of wherever you're going to like most state parks or national parks are going to have a, a a map there that you can use or you could print it out ahead of time and you can carry it with you and then if you want to you can have a very base uh compass that you can get for like less than ten dollars at walmart and so that way you could just know north south east and west um but like when you start talking about like azimuths and stuff like that that's definitely not basic camping in my opinion and like i said honestly that could be a whole podcast episode in itself and if and it's something that i've told myself that i'm going to either uh take a class on again this year to refresh or i'm going to uh i know state park here uh kind of locally with like an hour drive uh an rotc uh uses it for their land navigation and i thought about just going up there and doing it myself uh but like i know like if you've never never been camping like i know you know or north south east and west and you could probably find it based on the sun but especially at night uh when it comes to navigation that's probably something that most people don't know yeah, I mean, it's going to be especially difficult at night because, especially if you don't have a moon out to look at. Absolutely. All right, Mike, man, well, I think I've taken up enough of your time. I can hear the dinner plates clanking in the back, uh, probably getting ready for dinner. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, <laughs> man, it's been fun. It's been awesome. I appreciate you being on for these two episodes. Yeah, uh, and me. I hope once that you get done with school that you can come back on full time just so that way we can shoot the shit again more often. Yeah, me too, man. It's been great. All right, man. Bye. Let's see. Let's down at the New Amsterdam. Down at this yellow-haired girl, Mr. Jones strikes up a conversation with a black-haired flamenco dance. You know she dances. It was awesome to have Mike back on the podcast. I greatly appreciate him stopping by. I hope he can come by a little bit more often. Maybe when he's done with his schooling, we can have him on as back our regular co-host again. Uh, so let's go ahead and close it out. Again, please hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to. That is the best way to keep up with new podcast episodes as they come out. Also, if you can, please leave us a review. It's the best way for people to find us when they're looking for gun-related content on their podcast platform. Also, go ahead and check out our 
social media and make sure you follow us there. We're everywhere at 2A Lifestyle. That is the number 2A Lifestyle, except for Instagram where 2 is spelled out. And also, if you enjoy this podcast, please uh, check us out on Patreon. Anything you guys give us, it goes directly back into this podcast and it goes back to give a better product. So I greatly appreciate any help you guys can give us out on Patreon. It can be as little as $1. And with that, I appreciate you for listening and I will see you guys again in a week and keep on enjoying that 2A lifestyle.